Darkcast Network. Welcome to the dark side of podcasts. You have the right to remain silent for a reason. Use it. Hello and welcome, you guys. This is True Crime Connections, and I'm your host, Tiffany. This week, we are talking with Alfred Anderson. He is a retired deputy sheriff, and he is here to school us on our constitutional rights and our civil rights. Which is very important. Absolutely. It's it's extremely important. Yes, it's a pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Of course. I was actually a deputy sheriff in West Central Idaho in uh, a county called Valley. It was in the mountains uh, up in the, just above Boise, about an hour and a half. And uh, it was probably the best career of my life. It educated me as well as helping me understand the importance of what most people don't know about, which is their constitutional rights. What do you think is the one that you've seen the most? that just people did not know? (laughs) Well, it really encompasses the first through the 10th, but I focus mostly on the fourth, the fifth, and the second. And I will start with the fourth, because the fourth is is the, the amendment that basically says no search and seizure without, you know, to be secure in your person's place, houses, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures without probable cause from the order of a court, you know, to keep it simple, is not permitted. It encompasses whether any law enforcement officer in the country approaches you and talks to you and uh, asks you questions. And They must, first of all, let's take a typical example of a traffic stop. Everybody's gone through them. And as a deputy sheriff, I did everything because I was trained to do everything. Investigations, traffic, um, domestic abuse, drugs, everything. But I probably 20 to 25% of my time was spent on traffic. And as a traffic officer, and you'll see it all through YouTube, it's, it's, it's sad how ignorant the populace is of how to interact with a law enforcement officer. And I say that because we as officers will abuse you of your rights and uh, we'll push it to the limit. Now, if we're stopped, you know, we have to be careful or else we will be sued. So let's say, let's take a trip, a typical traffic stop. I will stop you and I have to have probable cause to make that stop. Meaning when it comes to traffic, people do not have a right to drive a car. It's a privilege granted by the state. Okay. But we must obey all the traffic laws. And if a taillight is out or if speed, which is the common factor that most stops occur under, I must have probable cause. In other words, probable cause, and I'll explain that, that's part of the Fourth Amendment, is that a crime has been committed or about to be committed. 
Now, it's a little more the softer version when it comes to traffic. It means a violation has been committed or about to be committed. So I have a right to stop you under most state codes or laws. So I can't just stop you because I feel like it, because your car is an ugly color, or I see there's a black person driving that car and I'm I'm a racist. No, it doesn't work that way, and it shouldn't work that way. So I have to have probable cause to make this stop. When I approach you, I ask, I explain in a courteous manner why I stopped you. Speed, traffic, uh, taillight, whatever. All a person has to produce is their driver's license, proof of insurance, and registration by most state codes, okay? Now, if I start asking you questions, have you had anything to drink tonight? How fast were you going? Do you have anything in your car that I should know about? You shut up. You simply say in a kind manner, officer, I choose not to answer your questions. Period. If you say you are driving 56 miles an hour in a 55 zone, you have basically admitted to violating the law. Or if I ask you how much have you had to drink and you say, oh, just a couple of beers, officer, (laughs) that opens up the can of worms and I can start investigating further. So in other words, the Fourth Amendment is a matter of stopping you and a searching of you and a seizing of you, whether it be an arrest, stopping of your car. Now, the Fifth Amendment kicks in when I come to your window and I ask you those questions. It basically is what is incorporated in the Miranda Law. You have the right to remain silent. In other words, shut up. Don't give them anything they ask you for because you are incriminating yourself which means you're admitting to a crime. Whether you've had a drink or something, it starts the ball rolling. And I can further investigate based on your answer. So that's where the Fourth and Fifth Amendment are so misunderstood. They fear the police. They say, well, I don't want to intimidate the police. I don't want to get them angry. I'm going to be kind. No, 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 no. Just Be kind, whether you're being stopped on a sidewalk or in a car. Answer civil questions. If you're having a nice day, yes, officer, I'm having a great day. Are you heading home or whatever else? Yeah, I'm heading home. As soon as those questions become investigatory, you shut up. Don't answer and say simply, officer, I'm not going to answer any more of your questions. You're asking things that could incriminate myself. I'm not going to go there. And an officer might, and you'll see it on YouTube all the time, where officers are are pushing it so far, they get sued. And I, I personally watch a lot of them, and I'm just shaking my head, and I'm saying, what idiots. I mean, a police officer of any stature, an LEO, law enforcement officer, should be respectful, kind, and a servant attitude. And I live by the attitude that humility is the catalyst that makes power benevolent. In other words, I'm an arrogant a-hole. You know what? It's going to be a conflict between that person I'm talking to and stopping. But if I'm showing respect and kindness, 
they're not going to treat me with disrespect. And that was the whole purpose of the book, was to highlight how important we as officers are, but how important it is that we treat the citizenry with respect and kindness. Now, we have a job to do, and I will ask those questions. And if someone says, I don't, I choose not to answer those questions, I said, fine. I won't go there. And I've got a perfect example in the book of an individual that basically incriminated himself when he didn't have to. And it was the most practiced drunk I ever stopped. And it was, I probably would not have arrested him if he had not, if he had said, officer, I'm not going to recite the alphabet. Because I was unsure of what I had stopped. I felt that, okay, he might have been drinking, but he was very composed, very good at what his practice was. And he decided, yeah, I'll recite the alphabet. And he did, but very slowly. When he, he missed J, I had him. Most people say A, B, C, D, E, F, G, so on and so forth. He went A, B, C, D. And all he had to do was say, no, officer, I won't do that. I would not have had the evidence necessary to pull him out of the car and do what are called sobriety tests or the typical tests that we use to determine level of alcohol content. But by being stopped and them saying, have you had anything to drink tonight? And you say, you know, I will take my Fifth Amendment rights or whatever. I I choose not to say anything. Isn't that in a way still incriminating yourself? No, not in a court. Because if you say, and an officer should understand what the Constitution is all about, the Fifth Amendment basically says you have a right to remain silent. And that's what the Miranda law came about in Arizona in 67. And uh, he, he didn't know his rights. And because it went to the Supreme Court, they said, you have to Mirandize him, advise him of his rights so he doesn't incriminate himself. And that's the problem. I always thought it would look more suspicious. Like my mom always told me, you know, if you get pulled over, don't blow. Never blow. You're going to lose your license for a year automatically, at least here in Florida. But at least it's not a $10,000 fine and this and that and everything else that comes with it. Every Monday, join us at It's an Inside Job, your essential podcast for resilience and well-being. Dive deep into the art and science of transforming life's challenges into stepping stones. Learn from personal narratives and expert insights, building your inner strengths from the ground up. Discover that mastering well-being and navigating life's hurdles is indeed an inside job. So tune in, grow, transform. Together, let's make every Monday a milestone in our journey of empowerment. So subscribe to It's an Inside Job, where your path to resilience begins. Well, when they ask you to do a, a, a what is called a, a blow test or an alcohol test, which is mobile, they still have to have probable cause to believe that you're inebriated. So if they haven't justified in your speech was slurred, I smell a, mount, a huge amount of alcoholic beverage, 
And it's not alcohol, because alcohol, we can't put that in a report in the court. It's the smell of alcoholic beverage is what emits that smell, not alcohol. Then I have to have evidence to take that person out of the car and additionally do the sobriety tests, which will establish my reasonable, articulable suspicion that this person is inebriated and beyond the level of intoxication, which in most states is a 0.08 blood alcohol content. That's what but, it is here. Yeah. It is pretty much according to U.S. US DOT, U.S. Department of Transportation uh, requirements for all states to adhere to that. But if you simply kindly say, officer, I'm not answering those questions, they might think that, hey, that might imply your guilt, but it doesn't because it basically says you're saying, I'm exercising my Fifth Amendment right. I mean, I've seen like on cops and stuff where, you know, they ask, can I search your car? And the person will be like, no. And they will hold the car there, get a warrant. And like, it becomes this big ordeal. Like, is that a thing? (laughs) Well, no. I mean, before they can even get a warrant, they have to have ample probable cause again that a crime has been committed or about to be committed. Okay. They have to produce to the court, and I've done it. I've issued, I've gotten warrants from the court, but I had to have substantial evidence to justify my search of that car. Now, one example would be if if I want to search a home for a rifle, I have to be specific of the kind of rifle that I'm looking for and the logical place is going to be, all right? So that court order or warrant will state. So if I go looking in small drawers, that's not admissible. It's called fruits of the poisonous tree because that's not the logical place a rifle is going to be. So I just can't go searching in every place that a rifle can't be. It has to be in a logical place like a closet, under a bed, so on and so forth. It has to be logical. It has to be specifically stated in the warrant. So somebody get a warrant to go search your car. That officer better have a damn good excuse to justify that in a court. And he can't just have you hang on the side of the road. That opens him up to a huge lawsuit because it is an unreasonable arrest without probable cause. And there are ample examples of stupid cops. And I'm disappointed in my fellow officers and how they're abusing the law. And they're getting sued. And the suit starts with the officer, goes up to the agency, and goes up to the controlling government, whether it be city, county, or or state, or federal. So it can be huge. It's sad that we're seeing so much abuse by the police in, and that's because the people are ignorant. The people don't know their rights. It's not taught, and there's no school system in, this, in the whole U.S. that teaches it at the proper level of maybe seventh grade, like social studies, civics, or so on and so forth. One of the most important things that should be taught is the Constitution and why it was formed and what we are. We are not a democracy. We are a republic, which basically means 
No majority can abrogate the rights of a minority. It has to be done through a constitutional amendment. And that's the sad thing of of our black citizens that have been denied the right to vote. And they've always been citizens. And that's the tragedy of it. Ignorance is what causes a great deal of confusion and crime out there and abuse. And it's sad. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see so much of it on TV. I mean, obviously, they pick what they want to show on TV, but usually it's a hot mess and it's riots and it's this and it's just. Well, let me give you a perfect example. The Rodney King case in Los Angeles, and I forget the year I've got it in the book, but they beat the crap out of him. And uh, these officers were taken to state court and found not guilty on abuse charges and so on and so forth. But the federal government took the four officers that were involved to federal court on violation of civil rights of Rodney King. Two of them were found guilty and were put in federal prison. So it tells you that if an officer violates one's civil rights, it's a serious act. It's a crime in the federal eyes. So it should waken, awaken a lot of my fellow officers to say, listen, we're servants. Our job is not to convict, is not to judge. It is to, okay, arrest, bring that person to the court. And that's the job of the county attorney, district attorney, and the courts. It's not my job to criticize because they're still citizens and they deserve my respect. Hey, they're to serve and protect. And that's forgotten. It's forgotten because it's now it's kind of a brotherhood of us against them. I saw it and I I resisted it. I got into law enforcement when I was 40 years old and I had, if I may be brunt, I had the shit kicked out of me, you know, for 40 years. And I understood what life can be like there, but by the grace of God, go I. I was very good at arresting DUI uh, drivers. But I never judged them. I always tried to get them to understand it. Look, and I'll use this language, and maybe you'll perceive what I, how I approach it. We've got a problem here. Let's go get it fixed. Do you see the psychology? Yes. I didn't isolate them. I said, we. We've got a problem. Let's get it fixed. And almost universally, when I put cuffs on people, they might be ready to fight me. And you would literally see them put their arms behind their back and said, okay, let's do this. And I've arrested felons out of San Quentin and some pretty tough people, but I treated them with respect. You treated them like people. That's important. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's critical. How do you think the world will end? Alien invasion? Nuclear disaster? Another, more deadly pandemic? I'm Jackie Moranti, and I'm the host of Cause of Death, 100 Seconds to Midnight. I talk about the things that could obliterate mankind. I call it pre-apocalyptic nonfiction. The doomsday clock was set at 100 seconds to midnight from January of 2020 to January of 2023. On January 24th, 2023, the Board of Atomic Scientists moved the hands of the clock even closer to midnight. Now, it's set at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest it's ever been. 
From nuclear disaster to environmental threats to food and water crises, find out how mankind is destroying itself one second at a time. If you haven't listened to my podcast, you should. Now, let's go to one other important amendment, which the First Amendment is being abused. It's unbelievable the way it's being abused right now. Censorship on the in the press, censorship on on uh, Facebook, all over Twitter. But they are not federal institutions; they're private, and so they're somewhat protected. But let's go to the Second Amendment. It is the most abused, attempted to be eliminated amendment of them all. And the Second Amendment was never created by the founding of fathers for protection or hunting. It's not the case. You read the Federalist Papers, and they all, most people, most of them, whether it be George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, to Thomas Paine, to many others, said the right of the people to bear arms and to keep them uninfringed is the purpose of what? Keep the power in the hands of the people against a tyrannical government, period. They all said it. It was to keep tyranny from usurping the power of the people. We, the people. The government is not the people. We are the government. And that's the tragedy of what we have seen throughout history, whether it be Germany, Russia, China. They took the guns and then they slaughtered the people. And that's what they're trying to do in the United States now. They hate the Second Amendment because that's the one big roadblock to keep them from enslaving us. And the founding fathers knew it. Yeah. yeah we um, actually here in Florida, DeSantis, he just made it to where you don't have to like take classes or any of that anymore. At first, I was like, what are you doing? But then I had to realize that the people who get them the right way aren't really the ones out there causing all the ruckus. It's the people who are getting them off the streets. The criminals will always have guns. The laws are only meant to take them from the lawful, reasonable people, citizens. The criminals will always get them. That's obvious throughout history. It's only about control of the masses and to keep them cowed, period. There's this famous saying by Benjamin Franklin that I quoted in the book. After coming out of the Constitutional Convention in 78, 1778, a madam, a woman stopped him on the street, and he, she asked him, Sir, what kind of government have you given us? And he told her, A republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. And what the Founding Fathers stated is it takes a vigilant, educated populace to maintain that republic. It's probably the best government form that man has ever had, and we've been abysmal at maintaining it. Really, our history is only 280 years old, 70 years old. You look at Rome and how long it lasted. This country is about ready to die. It's being, it's being invaded from the south, and it's being invaded from the north. And the only thing that really keeps, will keep things in check is the right to bear arms. And it's sad, but, uh, you know, my book, my, my first book, Deputy Know Your Rights, is very important and should be read by everybody in the country. It's not that I'm being vain and, uh, you know, I want to say it's just that important for people to learn 
those three or four men, amendments that I speak of. Then I wrote a second book, which is a novel. It's called Sasha, My Guardian Sasquatch, which takes place in Northeast Washington, and it talks about illegal immigration from the North and drugs coming in from the North. And it's an actual event. It's, we're being invaded from all sides, and it's, it's, it's like our government doesn't care. It's a facilitating it, and that's the tragedy of it all. Oh, for sure. The government, they care about the wrong shit. (laughs) Like if a man wants to stay a man or if a man wants to marry another man, if women should be forced to have babies, like, come on, these are not things that you should be worried about. (laughs) No, it's it's so much has been usurped by the federal government. So much of what should be decided by the states is not. It's being usurped by the federal government. And uh, it's, you know, that's the whole abortion issue where the, the Supreme Court basically sent it back to the states, which is the way it should be. Each state should decide that issue. I'm not going to speak one way or the other on that. It's just simply a matter of the federal government has taken too much power unto itself, whether it be education, whether it be homeland security now. It's a disaster. The Patriot Act is a disaster. The NDAA, the National Defense Authorization Acts, they're all designed to to take away our rights. And the federal government is out of control, and it's 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 unfortunate. And I see it. Const- I saw it. I sh- I'm not. I'm retired, obviously. I saw it constantly when I dealt with federal agencies, and, uh, and it's, it's 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 unfortunate. But is there anything we can do? Yeah, it's educate oneself, prepare, tell people that, hey, whether it be dealing with a law enforcement officer. For instance, let me give you a good example. If a, a dog catcher wants to come into your yard and onto your property and take your dog because somebody's complaining about it, you just tell them, you don't come onto my property. You go get a warrant. And then come. But even a dog catcher has to have that warrant before he can come onto your property. You have a right to maintain secure in your person, places, houses, and effects what is yours. And that's the Fourth Amendment. And people just don't understand it. And it's, it's frustrating because I abused people of it because I could. They they didn't tell me to sh- to not a- to not ask those questions, and I basically arrested a lot of people because they incriminated themselves. That's too bad. And as a result of my career, I wrote that book to try and help people understand how to interact with any law enforcement officer, whether it be FBI, BATF, State Patrol, county, or city. They're all officers of that agency, and they all must abide by those amendments. Now, does that apply to private individuals? Like if a landlord wants to come into your, pro- into your apartment and check something, doesn't apply to him. Now, other laws might, like burglary, unlawful entry, if you haven't signed over permission for him to do that. But the Fourth Amendment, Fifth Amendment doesn't apply to private individuals. It applies only to official law enforcement officers or officials of the government, period. 
So that's, that's the enough. difference. If people knew that, we would have less abuse on the streets. And if the officers treated people with respect, we would have less animosity for law enforcement officers. And our job is not to harm or hurt people. It's to help people. Now, if they make a mistake, I have to bring them to the proper place to get that corrected. But it's not my job to sit in my patrol car while they're in the back and say, you're a badass, you're you dumb shit, and all that. No, I never did that. And in fact, the person that I arrested who was a San Quentin felon, you know, he gave me a hard time to begin with, and I, you know, I treated him with respect, and he sat in the back of the car, and he basically said, hey, you're not, a, you're not one of those dumbass cops that I usually deal with. And I asked him why. He says, because you treated me with respect, period. And that's something that's so easy to do. It is. There's no reason to not treat people with respect. Well, it's do unto others as you want to, and them to do unto you. So many people would ask me, is this the right thing to do? And I just simply would say, would you want it done to you? And if the answer is no, then don't do it to somebody else. And it gets down to a bait, and that's the basic, basic principle of love. Love for your fellow man, so on and so forth. And that's what respect is all about. Esteeming another person above your wants and your desires and your interests. Absolutely. That's Where the are your books at? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, they're available on Amazon. They're worldwide. Uh, you can get a Barnes & Noble, Amazon. They're on e- they're e-books, paperback, and hardback. The first book was Deputy Know Your Rights. Anybody listening to this can check it uh, under Amazon.com. Uh, I'll just show a picture of the book here so that it might be a little bit more vivid for people. That's on and then the second book, which is a novel, which is a very good read. Uh, it's actually a love story that uh, involves a young deputy that's elected, newly elected sheriff in northeast Washington and encounters uh, this Mexican cartel doing bad things. But the book starts out him going up into the mountains of northeast Washington and encounters a Sasquatch that's trapped and Sasquatch is a very big thing in the, the northern parts of the, of the United States and into Canada. It's well known. I mean, I think very few people doubt they exist. And it, he releases this young female Sasquatch that's trapped, who later comes back to help him, saves his life, actually. But the story is a love story between this young sheriff and uh, a girl. Her name is Angelina that uh, gets involved with this this fight with the cartel. Sorry, I was no, going to say that. I love no, it, the Sasquatch. No, no, <laughs> no. In fact, it's, it, you know, people have, who have read the book, they say, well, why is there more of Sasha in this book? Well, Sasha is in the book. But like anything legendary, it's fleeting and you don't see much of them. It's like the book Moby Dick. Well, Moby Dick, you don't see much of the whale throughout the book, but he's the name of the book and he's the principal character in it that causes the conflict. So that's the kind of idea behind the whole theme of the book, but it's really a, a love story that's that's centered around criminal intrigue 
and Sasha, who whom he names, comes back to save him. We all so, need somebody to save us. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And I would encourage your audience that uh, I, I think both books you can buy them fairly inexpensively, ebook on uh, Kindle, Amazon Kindle, and then uh, or soft cover. They're out there. They're being sold worldwide, but not in great numbers. And I'd like to see it improve, obviously. But hopefully, I'll make sure audience... I put the links in the show notes. Yeah, so. that would be kind of you. I'd appreciate that because it's uh, it always helps. It always helps. Notar- you know, it's not uh, it's 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 awareness, it's marketing, and so on and so forth. But I think both books bring a powerful message that's pertinent to today's life. They make good reads. And uh, so hopefully people will choose to go on Amazon and find them out. If they just Google Alfred Anderson, they'll my name will come up in, with the books on Amazon. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad that you were here. You taught me something today. <laughs> well, I'm glad because that's the whole idea of it. It's because, you know, uh, uh, one podcaster who happened to be a criminal uh, defense attorney out of Los Angeles. His name is Arasha Shami. He asked me if I knew my rights before I became got involved with law enforcement, and I said, "No, I really didn't. I was just as uneducated as everybody else." And it was it wasn't until I studied law and especially constitutional law that I realized how important that document really is, Constitution. And I reiterate, we are not a democracy. We are a republic. And because of that, we are protected. Our rights are protected against usurpation by a majority. For us to lose our rights, whatever they might be, takes a constitutional amendment to abrogate those specific rights. And that's a very onerous and long process to accomplish it. So it's a great system, but because of lack of education, the people are not vigilant in maintaining their rights and they're in staying out of trouble. So, and I would advise people to go on YouTube and check some of these YouTube videos of people standing up, you know, against these officers coming to their car, and it's mostly traffic stops, and how they react. Some of them are pretty tough. Some of them are vulgar, and there's no need for that on the part of the, of, the, of the person that's detained. You don't have to be using foul language, calling people, you know, vulgar names. You just have to say, in respect to the officer, I'm not going there. I'm not going to answer your question. I'm not going to give you my ID just because you want it. Now, that's another issue. They're always asking you, stopping you, I want to see your ID. I want to check to see if you have any outstanding warrants. And you say, no. What crime have I committed? What reason do you have to ID me? And they'll push and they'll push. But most people are using their cell phones to video record a lot of this. And these officers are looking ridiculous. They're just being exposed as being ignorant and or trying to usurpate or usurp, I should say, the rights of the citizen. And that's, it's, it's bad. It's just not good. I'm against it. And I'm a law enforcement officer. 
Here in Florida, you'll get fined if you don't have your license on you. Well, if you if you're in a car, you must have it. But if you're walking down the sidewalk, you don't need it. That's 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 you're right. And you if gotcha. you're just what yeah, if you're unless you, let's say you're walking on the street and you've done something, you smashed a window, okay, the police officer stops you, you still you have to identify yourself, whether it be by a ID card, driver's license, or just giving them your name. And if you choose not to, eh, off you go to the Huskow, and they will get you fingerprinted, and they will figure you out one way or the other. Now, if you've done nothing criminal, no, you don't have any reason or any need to show an officer your ID or identify yourself. And that's been substantiated by Supreme Court and appellate court rulings. And now there are specific reasons that you do, like in a Terry stop, they call them, if an officer is in a situation where his life, where he feels his life is threatened, he can, and that's justified under court law. But in a daylight situation, you're walking down the street, sitting on a bench, eating a hot dog or doing whatever you're doing. No, they just can't come up and say, I want to see your ID. You know, that's like the Nazis asking to see your papers. Yeah, it's just not done. It's not constitutional, period. Now, when you're driving a car, there are three documents by virtually all state codes. You have to produce your driver's license, your registration, and your proof of insurance. But beyond that, you don't have to answer question one. Good to know. Not that Mm -hmm. I do anything wrong, but good to know. (laughs) No, and that's, you know, you're a typical individual that can be intimidated by a law enforcement officer. I can see that. But you have to educate yourself. And the book will help you understand that. That just say, with kindness, officer, I'm not going there. I'm not going to answer your questions. I haven't committed a crime. Uh, I'm leaving. And if he says, well, you're not going to leave, and you say, Am I, are you detaining me under Fourth Amendment law, a constitutional law? And if he says no, then you walk away, period. Because you have a right to remain secure in your person places, houses, and effects. And your car is almost tantamount as your house. Now, the difference is if I can see something in your car that's illegal, that's admissible, such as a a pot pipe, open bottle, so on and so forth, or an illegal weapon type of thing. If I see it, that's called plain view evidence, and it's admissible. If someone asks you, may I search your car? You say, absolutely not. It's none of your business. It's none of the officer's business of what's in your car as much as it's in your house. So you have to stand strong, vigilant, and protect it. Yes. (laughs) Tiffany, be that way. Be strong. Be Be diligent. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So awesome. Thank you so much. I really do appreciate it. I think we all learned a little something today. <laughs> As they say in German, ausgezeichnet means excellent. <laughs> it's a long <laughs> word for one thing. <laughs> it's, a tongue, it's a tongue twister. All right. And that is going to wrap up this episode. Seriously, you guys, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me. 
I think we can all agree that we probably have that one friend that really needs to hear this message. So make sure that you share it with them. If you want to get more of me, hey, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok. And I want to know, has one of my episodes made an impact on you in any way? Like, for real, I really want to know. So if so, go to my website, truecrimeconnections.com, or you can email me, podcast at truecrimeconnections.com. I want to talk to you guys. Come talk to me. Let's do the damn thing. (laughs) Keep finding hope and building strength. Until next time.